Good morning, I'm Weemala, and today is Tuesday, December 28th. It's a gray, gray day today here in northern Illinois, and I think we're supposed to have quite a bit of snow today. So that'll be our first stickable snow, if it happens. So everything changes day by day, and the weather is one of those things. So today... I'd like to read again from Wisdom is Bliss, Robert Thurman's book, Wisdom is Bliss, Four Friendly Fun Facts That Can Change Your Life. And he's essentially, uh, this is his book on the Four Noble Truths and the Eightfold Path. And he speaks from a Tibetan tradition. So I think it's very interesting the differences we see in his writing and our traditional writings and uh, Theravadan teachers and uh, the Pali Canon. And I think it's, it's beautiful to see some of these differences, and some of it is just in the, the uh, author, you know, the author's style of writing. But it, this, these are very inspiring to me. So chapter 7 <clears throat> is on realistic creative effort. And instead of saying um, right effort, he uses realistic as his word to describe <clears throat> what we think of as a right or appropriate or harmonious. These are some of the words that other teachers in our tradition, Theravadan tradition, use. But I love his use of the word realistic, because <clears throat> the Buddha was always teaching us to work with our mind, to see things clearly and realistically, to see the reality of nature and to live with that, with that rhythm in our lives. So I've read some parts from this chapter on realistic creative effort, but I'd like to read the beginning of the chapter so there's a little bit more foundation. Well, hi, Sandy. Sandy Engelman from, uh, used to be here with us uh, when I was in Wisconsin and teaching in Wisconsin, and now she's in Colorado. It's really good to see you, Sandy. So Realistic Creative Effort is Chapter 7. I would like to read just the first section in here. The first two branches of the Eightfold Path, realistic worldview and realistic life purpose motivation, constitute the super-education in wisdom. So super-education is his term. And I think it's more, we may say, super-mundane or the, more the spiritual path. The next three, realistic speech, realistic evolutionary action, and realistic livelihood, constitute the super-education in ethics. It's our ethical behavior. The last two, real realistic remembering slash mindfulness and realistic samadhi concentration, constitute the super-education in mind or meditation. The present sixth branch, so this is the, the part of those, this is actually, we always include in the section of mindfulness and samadhi, 
the, pres- the sixth branch, realistic creative effort, is the engine of all three higher educations, the engine of uh, samad- of mindfulness and samadhi, which is concentration, though it can also be considered part of the super-education of mind. Remember the six transcendent virtues, realistic creative effort here in the Eightfold Path corresponds to transcendent creativity in that bodhisattva set. So um, right effort is in the, when he talks about the six transcendent virtues, those are the six of the bodhisattva virtues. And we we have it's included in our ten uh, bodhisattva vows that people can take or lifetime vows. Realistic creative effort here in the eightfold path corresponds to transcendent creativity in that bodhisattva set. In both systems, it is the opposite of despair, depression, lethargy laziness or hopelessness. And I think that's a wonderful definition of right effort. So right effort is that energy. It's widya is also another word for effort. And widya we always think of as um, energy. So widya paramita is the, I think, the Sanskrit for this creative effort, realistic creative effort. So it's energy with wisdom. It's the will that we put behind that our energy is, you know, we, we're, we're pushing that energy with this kind of wise effort. And he's defining it as the opposite of despair, depression, lethargy, laziness, or hopelessness. Some of these may be qualities many of us have felt during the pandemic, so they might sound more familiar than they have at other points in your life. Sometimes this is translated as effort. The reason I translate both terms with creativity is that all words for effort, vigor, courage, diligence, enterprise, enthusiasm, and etc., these are all definitions that come up when we look at effort, can be used as drivers of negative actions as well as positive ones. You could also be a creative bad guy, killer, or robber, but we usually esteem creativity as creating something good, something beautiful. So our efforts should be expressions of creativity. Creativity is also naturally associated with art and artfulness, making a better world by educating and improving the self as a help to others. All of these move us in a positive direction. This is the sixth branch of the Eightfold Path. To review, you might have a breakthrough and be inspired that Buddha is as Buddha does. You realize that creating positive, peaceful, harmonious relations with others in the world 
is the powerful wave of the supreme good, that ethical actions are super pleasant, and that you evolve up through joy and benefit yourself supremely when benefiting others. This also grounds you in the first three of those six transcendent virtues of generosity, justice, and tolerance with their naturally resultant states of super joy, clear light transparency, and radiance. That's a beautiful paragraph. The super education and ethicality and justice follows naturally with realistic speech, realistic evolutionary action, and realistic livelihood. All three of these ethical branches are positive evolutionary actions in that they open your being and move you toward the fun of the infinite lifestyle. They become easy and practical since you don't want to have a way of living that harms others. I think I have fibers in my throat. You don't want to have a way of living that harms others or causes more turbulence in the world because such turbulence distracts you from the peace of the mind devoted to the positive evolution of self and others. It is these steps that unblock the fountain of energetic creativity and courageous determination toward complete joy. The result is that we realize that our life is our art, that our art is the boundless love that is the will of the bliss reality, and that it overflows irresistibly and enfolds all others by kindling the inner bliss and beauty they may not have ever been consciously aware of due to the habitual and instinctual error of misknowing ignorance. I really like that he um, is talking about misknowing ignorance. You know, we uh, ignorance is... Of the three poisons, we have greed and uh, aversion and then ignorance. And misidentifying ignorance is uh, a real problem. We often think that uh, what we think of as neutral in our feelings is often ignorance. We're not, we haven't understood subtly enough of what feeling is we're having in our body. So let me read that last paragraph again. It is these steps that unblock the fountain of energetic creativity and courageous determination toward complete joy. The result is that we realize that our life is our art, that our art is the boundless love, that is the will, it is the will of the bliss reality. And that it over and that it overflows irresistibly and enfolds all others by kindling the inner bliss and beauty they may not have ever been consciously aware of due to the habitual and instinctual error of misknowing ignorance. It's 
So there's a, a one more small section in this. Creativity is essential to the good life. This sounds interesting, doesn't it? And to start, though, we have to realize that creativity is essential to getting something done. In the Buddha's time, he wanted people to start a new way of life, to begin a scientific, psychological, and social ethical revolution. So he encouraged their creativity and mobilized their creative energy. Before he became Buddha, the Buddha-to-be Siddhartha, his initial creativity manifested as an explanation to his horrified father as to why he would not take his place on the throne as a king of the Sakya nation. He said something like this, I, Siddhartha, as king, could only preside over the ordinary, subsistent things. Instead, I'm going to seek the higher meaning of human life. My dear father, I will not succeed you as king since I want to help my people and all people and beings solve their real problems, suffering, sickness, old age, death. I think I can do it, so goodbye. I'll be back, but only when I really know what should be done. What inspired logic, he essentially said, sure, I could help a few people if I took on the role of king, but think of all the people I could help if I overcame the suffering of all beings. If you follow Siddhartha's inspiration here, you will uh, naturally reorder your priorities and make a radical leap out of conventional life, even sometimes entering, as he did, the mendicant way of life. In modern terms, this may look like adopting an educational an educationalist lifestyle. <clears throat> Do nothing but find out what it's all about. And you can easily catch a glimpse of the possibility of a higher reality. You will find people who inspire you. Maybe you'll meet a Buddha or someone with traces of such enlightenment along the way. As you feel freer, you'll develop sympathy for those bound to the wheel of blind duty, and you'll want to get somewhere and be someone who can eventually bring them along too, becoming a bodhisattva in training. As mentioned early on in this book, a bodhisattva is an open or awake-hearted being who strives to benefit all of those around them over the course of multiple lifetimes, until everyone is liberated. You might even be inspired to take the Bodhisattva vow to turn your heart inside out and live to benefit all life. That's a beautiful description, isn't it, of taking the Bodhisattva vow. Turn your heart inside out and live to benefit all. The only prerequisite for be, being able to do so, of course, is for you to develop a mindset that has the common sense reality that lifetimes are unlimited and that you have an infinite future ahead of you, and to realize that this future 
is inevitably related to other beings, forever interrelated with you. And this sense of boundless future must make sense, not just be a wild leap of faith. It involves working to drop out of the conventionality, conventionally assumed reality of modern culture, that life ends in a dying into nothing, period. Breaking free of such an attitude that life ends in a dying into nothing, breaking free of such an attitude, even if it's subliminal, is what I call breaking free from the terminal lifestyle and the exuberant sense of freedom that receives you supports your newfound infinity lifestyle. The belief that we just end at the time of death is the ultimate killer of creativity. The utterly irrational and unevidenced belief that something can become nothing is the doorway to despair. You must free yourself of that prison of nihilism to burst into the life energized by altruism, to find the bodhisattva will to op- optimize reality, to love everyone as much as possible, <clears throat> and to have them love you as you both become enlightened through wisdom, the doorway to creativity. We should all go there and do that before we contemplate too much and escape into artificial detachment. Within the bodhisattva realm, creativity is useful at all levels. So he's actually <clears throat> he's actually saying um, is is that this love and creativity that we need I want to read this last paragraph because he's actually saying that rather than become too detached that this is this is the way that he thinks we should live to understand all of this. The belief that we just end <clears throat> at the time of death is the ultimate killer of creativity. The utterly irrational and unevidenced belief that something can become nothing is the doorway to despair. You must free yourself of that prison of nihilism to burst into the life energized by altruism to find the bodhisattva will to optimize reality, to love everyone as much as possible, and to have them love you as you both become enlightened through wisdom, the doorway to creativity. We should all go there and do that before we contemplate too much and escape into artificial detachment. Within the bodhisattva realm, Creativity is useful at all levels. So I think that's an interesting point. Um, the, the goal would not be in this lifetime to be completely detached, but to experience this creative effort, these creative, uh, each, each path of the, Eightfold Path, he uh, talks about about the creativity of them. 
And then his next chapter is about Buddhist art. So I think that's enough for today to we can read more about that. But so it's it's uh, really beautiful, even as uh, the Buddha left the palace to seek the spiritual life and the answer to the problems of suffering, old age, and death. He's, he's talking about that as a more creative approach to helping people. Uh, being the king, you can, you can uh, protect people from wars and perhaps uh, from shortages of food and shelter. But he's talking about, he wants to help them more deeply be, to solve their real problems, suffering, sickness, old age, death. <laughs> Goodbye, I'll be back, but only when I know what should be done. So that that is a, a more creative look at the real problem. So I think this is a beautiful chapter. So that effort, and he gives all of these definitions for vidya, what we call energy, vigor, courage, diligence, enterprise, enthusiasm, all of these meanings of the word effort and they can be drivers of negative actions as well as positive ones you can also be a creative bad guy so he said we usually <clears throat> esteem creativity as creating creating something good something beautiful so our efforts should be expressions of creativity So I think this is um, creating, here's another example. You realize that creating positive, peaceful, harmonious relations with others in the world is the powerful wave of the supreme good, that ethical actions are super pleasant, and that you evolve up through joy and benefit yourself supremely when benefiting others. This also grounds you in the first three of those six transcendent virtues. And these are some of those bodhisattva qualities, generosity, justice, and tolerance, with their naturally resultant states of super joy, clear light, transparency, and radiance. So uh, when we talk about, we often use the term right effort, uh, Bhante G calls talks about harmonious effort, and Robert Thurman calls it realistic creative effort. So that's the energy, the that's our will, our vigor, the energy we put forward for things that we care about. So I love I love his words on that. It really. Uh, in the book group last night, we talked about the word vidya for energy. And um, all the different definitions, and Robert Thurman has, is using them all. So when we talk about our energy, it's that thing that's the opposite of despair and depression and that feeling of languishing we can get and lethargy. So... 
I love these different ways of looking at right effort. It's much broader and much more, a much larger part of uh, the entire picture for all of us. So that energy that bring to that we bring to the things that we care about, the things that we, the, the things that we want to move forward. So why don't we? Let's sit. Uh, we have about ten minutes, and we can sit together. When we, if we were looking at the feelings, if we scan our bodies and look at the feelings in our bodies, when we're doing pleasant, unpleasant, and uh, neutral, that feeling of vidya or effort, energy, we we can look to feel that, and see when we feel that uh, that kind of energy in our bodies. Not the depression or the despair or the lethargy. But that creative, realistic energy that we want to develop. Just be with your breath. And I think as we're talking, as we've been talking about right effort, harmonious effort, realistic, creative effort, it's a good time also to think of our metta practice because this effort, this energy we put forward at its best is loving other people, loving ourselves and loving others. Uh, loving others to the point of wanting to become a bodhisattva, to come back to help others. So why don't we practice metta? We want to begin always with ourselves. And if you have trouble loving yourself and feeling uh, really open and uh, nurturing towards yourself. You can just stay with this part of metta practice and stay here until you feel that you understand why it's so important to love yourself. And this loving-kindness is a special kind of love. We are developing a deep friendship with ourselves, learning to trust, learning to protect, to want 
the truth for ourselves. And this ability to see the world clearly and to see the mind, see through a clear mind. So may I be well. May I feel safe. May I be at peace. May I be content. May this, the energy that I put forward be done with this creative effort and understanding the beauty that this effort can be beautiful, creating beautiful ways to be, ways to live, Just stay with yourself. Sending those phrases of loving kindness to yourself.
really open to see how precious you are and what you have to offer. Let your body be relaxed. And now because this is, metta is an infinite quality and we radiate out out infinitely when we develop the quality of metta within, we know that the next steps after we have that base with ourselves where we have built that relationship with ourself and have a, have a feeling of nurturing and compassion and loving kindness towards ourselves. Then we can radiate it out, send that energy, make that effort towards the ones we love, May all of our loved ones be well and safe. May they be at peace. May they be happy, truly happy. Then we can move out forward and think of the people who are strangers to us. We haven't met them yet. And these are strangers who may live next door to us. And we can extend it out to all the beings, all the human beings on this planet who are strangers to us. May all of the strangers in our lives, the people we haven't met yet, all these humans, may they all be well 
May they all feel safe. May they be able to take care of themselves or be well cared for, lovingly cared for. And may they find peace. And then we can extend out these same thoughts of loving kindness and goodwill to all beings, human and non-human. These may be include people who are uh, we think of as enemies or difficult people, or these can be. beings that we have no concept of. But it also includes all of the animals that we enjoy and live with and cherish. So we send this infinite quality. There's no bounds to it, so we think of it as infinite. We send it out into the universe May all beings, human and non-human, beings being born and beings dying, be free from suffering and its causes, free from fear and worry and anxiety, free from hunger and thirst and the extremes of the weather. May all beings be able to care for themselves and their loved ones, or may they all be cared for lovingly. And may all beings, including ourselves, experience peace. So if you can, keep sitting. It's the end of our time together. And let's send merit. May everything we do and say and think not only be done for our own benefit, but also for the benefit of all other living beings. And those beings being born and those beings dying. So may peace be with you. May all of you be well and happy and peaceful. I'll be back on Thursday.